Uh, thanks again, Pastor Todd, and thank you for uh, all of you for joining us today. And it's already been a sweet service around the uh, word, around the, the fellowship of the Lord's Supper. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Pastor Todd and I will uh, be part of this. We'll be going through the book of Ephesians. I put a little bit of a note in the bulletin today. And one of the things that I try to do often throughout the week is, uh, and I'm, I'm just kind of asking you to do this as well, and that is, why don't we just just commit with each other to, to read the book of Ephesians? Uh, if, you could, if you could just take some time to read it once through, at least all the way through, you'll get the message. Ephesians is a letter. from the. It's one of the epistles in the Bible. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to churches, to believers that were in the city and probably around the city of Ephesus in the Bible, uh, Bible times. And so... It is a letter. We're going to look at paragraphs together, uh, Pastor Todd and I, as we preach through this passage. And so you'll be able to get the, uh, a little bit more meat and in-depth as we do that. But as you read it, in one setting, um, you'll see the flow. Uh, you'll notice, I think, that Ephesians is a book that has uh, some very key doctrinal truth in the beginning. And you'll also notice, I think, that as the, as the letter turns very, very practical toward the end, that it has some very practical things, doctrinal and practical. And so that kind of brings us, and I just want you to know, I am, I, I am going to throw my son under the bus right now, that, uh, that he's the one that came up with the theme. I just want you to know. So I'm going to throw him under the bus. Lifestyles of the rich and godly. Okay, you remember the old TV show, he talked about that last week, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. But if you look in, in Ephesians, several times it talks about the riches that we have in Christ. One of the commentaries that I have at home, in fact, is entitled, on Ephesians, it's entitled Riches in Christ. But it also talks about how we live. And we're going to talk about both of those things today, and so that is our theme. In this passage, I, here's the topic that I'm going to talk with you about this morning. What is your or what is our mission? In other words, why did God leave us here on earth? I know a few years ago, probably several years ago now, was it um, uh, Stephen Covey, Seven uh, Habits of Highly Effective People, talked about mission statements and purpose statements and all of that. But actually, my point today is, is grander, is bigger than that, and that is why did God leave us here on this earth? God is the creator. Pastor Todd talked about that, but he also, in Christ, by him all things consist. He, he creates, but he runs things. And so in his sovereignty, he left you and me here. He made us alive, and he put us here on earth to do his will. And so this passage, the Verses 11 through 14 of chapter 1 talk about that. Now, let's try to make this uh, practical, okay, this morning. And then we'll dig into the text. Do you ever waste time? I admit that I do. I had a few hours of my life yesterday that I'll never get back as I watched uh, incredibly depressed as uh, the University of Michigan struggled to beat Army. 
and it went into double overtime before Michigan finally won. And uh, I, I admit I waste time. That's probably one of the biggest with me is sports and TV and all of those kinds of things. But I admit that I waste time. Um, years ago, uh, you know the people that do um, uh, Moody Radio? Moody, Moody Bible Institute Chicago used to have a magazine called Moody Monthly. And uh, this illustration, I had to dig a little bit by the magic of Google to find this illustration, but it was originally in an article years ago in a, a, a magazine that was called Moody Monthly, okay, uh, from Moody Publishing in Chicago. Let me read it. There's an old story told of a farmer who told his wife that he was going to har- he was going out, getting up early in the morning, and going out to harvest the ripe fruit in his field. He got up early uh, so he could warm up the tractor and get a jump on the heat of the day. He noticed the tractor needed more fuel, so he went to get some. On the way to the store, he noticed the pigs weren't fed, so he proceeded to the corn crib where he found some of the sacks of feed. Next to the sacks were potatoes that were sprouting and needed to be planted right away, so he started the potato field. On the way there, he passed the wood pile and remembered that his wife wanted wood in the house. As he picked up a few sticks, an ailing chicken walked by. He dropped the wood and picked up the chicken. When noon arrived, the frustrated farmer had not even gotten to the tractor, let alone to the field for the fruit. Life has a way of doing that, right? We get distracted. We get out of whack a little bit, as my dad would say, out of whack. And uh, uh, yeah, we get, uh, we, we, we waste time sometimes. God never does. By the very nature of God, Pastor Todd again talked about that. He is the creator of the universe. God, Genesis 1, spoke and the world came into being. The universe came into being. Colossians 1, by him, God, through Jesus, by him, all things consist or held together. Everything that God does is intentional. So in that, he put you and me alive on this earth right now in our families, in our circumstances, in our, in our situations and all of that. And I think this passage points out that God indeed, indeed, indeed does have a purpose for our lives. And he has left us here on earth at this time in our lives, whatever God gives us of the stewardship of our lives, to do that the mission that God would have us to do. Now, in that setting then, please take your Bibles if you have it there. This is the passage that we're going to read. Ephesians 1, let me read for you, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in the next few moments. Ephesians 1, verses 11 through 14. And um, my chart on the PowerPoint, and also I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 11. In him also, verse 11, we have obtained... An inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That, that we also, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee, the Holy Spirit of promise, we're sealed by him, the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That's our text. Let me pray. And uh, we're going to go through this text a little bit. And you have, if you have the orange sheet or whatever, there's some outlines in there that we're actually going to, I'm going to go through this like two different ways today. And we'll do that quickly. But let, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for Ephesians. Thank you that we can study it together. Thank you for what Pastor Todd shared with us last week. And God, now as we build on that, uh, chapter 1 certainly has a, a very significant theme talking about, God, what you do, what you've done through your son, and our um, role in that a little bit. Father, I, I, and as we accept and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation, for our eternal life, our confidence is what Jesus did. Father, I pray now that you guide our, our talk, our, our time together. Help us to honor you, help us to be true to your word and what we do. God, and, and I pray too that my heart and all of our hearts would be open and receptive to what you have for us. Father, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there, and, and there is, if there is a theme in Ephesians chapter 1, it would probably be the two words that I just highlighted on the PowerPoint. In him. We, uh, some of us gather Wednesday nights for family, church family time. If you get a chance to come, that's a sweet time. And all of us talked a little bit about that Wednesday night after, after Todd's message last week. And if there's a theme, yeah, for this, for this paragraph, but also of chapter one, it would be in him. That's, that's the theme. This is a chapter, uh, you've read it. I mean, you've read, Pastor Todd went through the first 10 verses. I just read to you 11 through 14. That if this, if there's any passage that we've talked about, it's it's the focus is on God. The focus is about Him. It's about how, what He does. All of those things. It's it's in Him. However, in this passage, and that brought this brings us to what my theme is this morning. There is a um, a keystone phrase, right? How many of you are native Pennsylvanians, right? What's our logo? Keystone State, right? We grew up with knowing what the symbol is, the symbol of our state. The keystone is what holds the arch together. It's the key. There's a phrase, a keystone phrase. And I'm going to, again, by the magic of Microsoft, let me just show you. In the middle of this, here it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. According to the purpose of him. One of the things that I just want you to notice as we get started, a foundational truth today is that we are here for God. God is not here for us. There is, I've, my, my ministry a lot, most of you know this, has been with young people. There is a, a religious school of thought today that's called moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. Deism, there is a God, Moralistic, there is right or wrong in the universe, but therapeutic, and that is God's purpose is to make me feel good. Let me just tell you something. That's not God's purpose, to make me feel good, right? That our purpose is for him. We are in him. We give him the glory, and we'll talk about that. 
And then he outlines a little bit more, the Apostle Paul, very important doctrinal truth, a little bit about how this works. According to his purpose, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. One of the things I think it's important for us to note as we get started is that we are here for God, we are here for his purpose, we are here to do and to be both of those things, what God would have us to do in this world today, but also the very power, I'm going to talk with you about this, the very energy, if you will, for that also comes from God. Remember my dumb, the Moody story that I read? It's very easy for us to get distracted. It's very easy for us, as, again, as my dad would say, to get out of whack. It's very easy for us to do all of those things. God never does that. It's, all, it's easy for me to get off track, you know, and to get mad when Michigan doesn't st- score or, or, or whatever, all of those things. But God, God, isn't that, God isn't that way. God has a purpose, and he has the ability to carry out his purpose. So that brings us to an important point. God is doing that. God is doing that in your life. Sometimes he needs to knock off the rough edges of our lives. Sometimes he does. And God is doing some things in our lives. God is doing some things through our lives. God is doing some things in and through our church. He is. That's the nature of God. And it's all intentional. Okay, so I want us, again, to talk a little bit about our mission. Now, let me take you to the notes a little bit. In your notes, you have this outline. This is a, uh, this is a Mel thing. But if we were to wrap up Ephesians 1, 1 through 14, about what is our mission, I would probably say it this way. And so you have there three little lines in this mission statement, if you will, And so here's our mission based upon Ephesians 1, to know him, to live for him, and to glorify him. To know him, I hope, folks, I pray that you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. I hope that you have. If you know him, you have a personal relationship with Almighty God through his Son, Jesus Christ. And that as we know him, we also then need to be passionate and burdened about growing in him and growing closer to him and getting to know him more and more. And that's uh, part of our mission. God also wants us to live for him, the lifestyles of the rich and godly. God wants us to live for him. And that impacts every area of our life. That impacts what we do this afternoon. That impacts what we do tonight. That impacts what we do at work. That impacts what we do throughout the week. That impacts when we're on vacation. That impacts when we're with our friends or anything that we do. God wants us to live for him and to be conscious, cognizant of what he is doing in our lives. And then also God wants us to glorify him. The praise of his glory. To glorify him. And I think this is, we talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. I think this is inherent in the idea of giving God glory or praising anybody else, and that is when we do that, we don't do that in a vacuum. In other words, people will notice from our lives if we live our lives for God. People will notice that. And so that ends up being our mission, our mission, or why are we here? I think... um, this is the risky part of the message today. I think it was, some of you old-time rockers will have to help me, but I think, seriously, I think it was, I'm not a musician, Kansas 
All we are is dust in the wind. Some of you are old enough to remember that, right? I didn't Google the group, but I, I Googled the words. It's got to be more than this. Let me read it. I close my eyes. Only for a moment, and the moment's gone. All my dreams pass before my eyes with curiosity. Dust in the wind. All they are is dust in the wind. Same old song. Just a drop of water in an endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. Now, don't hang on. Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It slips away, and all your money won't another minute buy. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. It's got to be more than that, right? What's amazing about Kansas, the theology of Kansas and dust in the wind, is the Bible talks about that and how often men get our lives out of whack with that same philosophy unless we are absolutely convinced that God's word tells us about what his mission, his purpose is for our lives. Did you ever, did you ever read Ecclesiastes? Sometimes do that. Ah. I think I've studied Ecclesiastes, taught Ecclesiastes with every single young adult group that I've ever taught, probably. And yeah, let me read a few verses. Ecclesiastes, it's written by Solomon when he was away from God and he's searching, but he's very much Ecclesiastes uh, giving a human outlook on life and not at this stage of his life, although he comes to a different conclusion. Let me read... Ecclesiastes chapter 1. <coughs> I'm going to start reading at verse 2. It sounds a lot like dust in the wind. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, all is meaningless. Writes in Ecclesiastes 1.3, What profit has a man from all of his labor, which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises, the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns and goes to the north. And the wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. And all the rivers run into the sea. Yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come until there they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be, and that which is done is what will be done, and there's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new, it has already been an ancient time, but it has already been an ancient times before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of the things that are to come or to those who will come after. And the preacher that Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, calls himself, is writing about that meaningless, that out of whack lifestyle. And I think Ephesians 1 is saying life isn't that way. God gives us purpose. God gives us mission. Our mission is to know him, to live for him, to glorify him. And that's what I want to talk with you just for the next few minutes. We're going to go through, I think in the notes, I think there's seven basic statements, and then I'm going to show you the text again, and then we're going to wrap things up, and that's all we're going to do this morning. But there's the passage, and let me just do this. You have them all written out. 
So if you want to just jot down the verses or the principles that I talk about already, you jot down below there, that's fine. But let me just work our way through it by doing, doing through this text by, by doing this outline. Number one is I think it's important to understand that God loves us. And this is certainly a phrase that's not original for me, but has a plan or has a purpose for our lives. God is, God is God. He is sovereign. He is Lord. He is creator. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And in that, God put he, us, you and me, alive here on this earth. Remember I said, remember I talked to ask you if you're a Pennsylvania native and all of that, the keystone phrase, according to his purpose. This is a God thing. That he put us here, that he put us here alive on this earth at this moment. And also that God in his sovereignty, if you read anything about the first 14 verses of chapter 1 of Ephesians, is that it comes to this conclusion, is, is it is all about God, and it is all about what God's doing. And out of that, He has created, we're going to talk about this more in a minute, a way for us to have a personal relationship with Almighty God. Folks, that is amazing. I was five years old. At a Child Evangelism Fellowship Good News Club in downtown Montrose, Pennsylvania, when I heard the message of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that day I knew that Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood. He died on the cross for me to have a relationship. God loved me that much. Almighty God, Genesis 1, who spoke and the world came into being. Almighty God, Colossians 1, holds everything, everything together, God. Loved me to want to have a relationship with me. That is amazing to me. God loves you. That's the whole point of the Lord's Supper this morning, to help us remember this, that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to break his body and shed his blood for us, that we could have a relationship with God through his son. The only way possible to him is through Jesus Christ. God's purpose for our lives. That's the kingpin. That's the, that's the keystone of this passage. Let's go on. Number two, God is sovereign. That builds on what I just talked about. Number two is that he is in control of everything. God is sovereign. We you know, we, we live in a democracy, we live in a republic, we understand that, and yet we, 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 our minds really can't grasp that idea that Almighty God is in charge. I've heard Christy, our, our, my, our daughter, our missionary, do a lesson, you know, so over and over and over again that Jesus' call is Lord, and there's only one thing you could say before Lord, and that's yes. God is in control, and that's okay with me. God is in control. He is in control of everything. There is a, uh, um, yeah, here, here in this verse, I, I, I was excited about this. And one of the things that I learned in my study, I, I, want, I want to show you something. I never really thought about it this way before. Look what it says. That God is sovereign. He is in control of everything. And then look at verse 11 below that. It says, it has this phrase, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. Let me tell you about that word works just for a moment. You know this, the original language here in the, Old, in the New Testament is Greek, so sometimes English doesn't transfer over. That word is a word that the word works there. Is a, it, is, it comes from the same English word 
that we have the, that we use the word energy or energize, you know, like energizer bunny, right? Or yeah, energy or energetic. Well, I think here's the point, and that is okay. We we understand that okay, energizer bunny thing. There's a battery that gives the power. Here, here's the point. What God does and what God creates. Let me see if I can explain this to you. And I, and I, I think this is, this is really interesting about, uh, out of this passage. That God gives what he creates. That word works is often tied in in the scripture to the very act of creation. Okay? Um. I'm not, but if I were a car, if I was a carpenter, I build something. It's just gonna out of wood, especially if I make something. It's just gonna sit there, right? What God creates, He gives it an energy to be able an innate energy, so that that object, that thing that He creates, has the ability to be used for what God created it to do. It's not just gonna sit there. So let's apply that to our lives. God put us here. God does not waste his time. God put us here. He also gave you and me the ability, the innate ability to have the energy to do what God wants us to do. That's a God thing too. That's, that's a little bit, just a minutia about the sovereignty of God, that God is in control, that God has that ability. And that goes back to, the, again, that keystone phrase that I talked about. It's the purpose of God, but it works out according to his will. That God has that ability to help us do that. I, I, I think that's absolutely incredible. Number three, God provided a way for us to come to him. If you were to read, and I read this already to you, um, all the way through here, the theme that dominates this passage is that we have a God-given opportunity to come to God through Jesus Christ. Salvation, knowing Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. So that brings us to number three. God, in His sovereignty, in His ability to energize us, not our own ability. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. He gives us the ability to come to Him, to have a personal relationship with Almighty God. That's amazing to me. Verse 7 says this, In Him... We have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. I mean, catch those three key phrases in that, in that description. In verse 7, redemption. He paid the price. Again, the great illustration this morning of the Lord's Supper, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ went to the cross to die on the cross for you. He paid the price. That's redemption. The forgiveness of sin. Romans 3.23, many of you know this, says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come short of God's standard. We're sinners. We're born sinners. We choose to sin. We are. We do. That's human nature. And so we desperately need the redemption, the buyback from God to be able to come to God clean because he's paid the price for our sins, the forgiveness of our sin.
Folks, I'm so glad that verses like 1 John 1, 9 are in the Bible. If we confess our sin, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I am so glad that's in there. I'm so glad that because of Jesus, God looks down on me and sees clean. That's amazing to me. Through the riches of his grace. And you know that all about that is because God wanted to. Grace. Unmerited favor. God giving you the ability to do what's humanly impossible for you to do. Isn't that an amazing thing? For Ephesians, we'll get there. A couple weeks, right? Pastor Todd, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are we saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man could boast. My goodness. If I could boast about that, it's impossible. I can't be good enough. I can't be clean enough. I can't do it. It all has to be because of Jesus. And that's an amazing thing that God provided a way for us to come to him. Number four, I love this about the verses. The language in Ephesians 1, this is amazing. And I know, I know I'm not doing justice and explaining this quickly this morning. But, but here, here's some of the language. Number four is that God guarantees. That's a verse out of the text. So I put it in quotes. God guarantees eternal life for those who trust in him. It's not a hope so thing. It's not a wish so. It's hope. It's not that I'll, I won't know until the end and then I'm, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't make it or I did make it or whatever. That'd be, that'd be a terrible way to live. Do you ever know somebody like that? I've met people. Can I just shoot straight with you? Is that okay? I've met people who have been involved in religion their entire lives and don't know for sure about heaven. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 John 5.13 says, But these are written that you might know that you have eternal life. That you might know that you have eternal life. Which also the first part of that verse, that these things are written, that you might have eternal life. Don't forget that our confidence about that comes from the word of God. Don't forget that. Faith comes by hearing, Romans says, and hearing by the word of God. Our confidence even about that, that our faith, the source of our faith comes through, comes through Jesus, comes through his word. And it, that, that's an important thing to understand. But look at the language. 14, verse 14, guarantee we're sealed. We have the promise, redemption, adoption. What an amazing concept that I'm adopted into God's family. One of the most powerful words in all of Scripture about the church is family, is the household of God. I'm a part of God's family. If you're, if you're a believer, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we're brothers and sisters. What an amazing family. And that's worldwide. I go visit Christy in Germany, and I meet people that are from somewhere all around the world, and they're brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't even know these people. And then someday I'm going to be in heaven with them. People from every tribe, every nation, every language, everybody. And we're family, part of the family of God. That's, that's big. And to realize that God guarantees that. It's a God thing. It's not up to me, you know, no, Walker, I got to work, I got to hope, I got to, and it's not that, it's God. And that out of that, because I love God and want to do 
anything that I can because of him. I'm going to stay close to him, do what God wants me to do and grow in him because of that's what God's doing for me. Five. This is, this is a really cool one too. Verse five, or number five in my list of seven statements is this. We learn about him through his word. Look at, uh, uh, look at verse 13. Yeah, I have it highlighted in the red, but on the PowerPoint. <coughs> verse 13 says this. In whom also you trusted. In whom also you trusted. After you heard the word of truth. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ for your salvation. Let me just, let me just stop there. In that passage, there are two incredibly important truths about the Word of God. Number one, the Word of truth. And the second one, the gospel. Okay, let, let, Let's just talk about both of them. We learn about Him, and we learn about life, and we learn about everything that we need to know through His Word. Okay, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Have you ever been in a situation, I talked to you about wasting time just earlier and all that. Ever been in a situation where uh, you feel out of your leg or over your head? Ever do that? Um, Todd, and Pastor Todd and I both have talked to you about this before. Neither one of us are mechanically inclined at all. But I'm also part of my personality. You can probably tell even if you've never met me before, now that you've known me for, you know, 35 minutes. <laughs> my personality is already, I'm not good at reading a, reading a manual either, right? I'm not good at that. And then I stink at putting stuff together. And so over the, over the like, especially when technology happened, you know, I mean, my kids got me an Apple Watch. I guess it's been a couple years now. I don't know what to do with it. I don't even wear it. I mean, I, mean, I wear it every now and then because I think it's cool, but I don't know what to do with it. You know, and it, it, it kind of scares me that my Apple Watch knows more about me than it should. And I'm not sure who else is getting that information. But um, I, I'm not that way. Folks, there's been a bazillion times in my life where I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. People issues. People concerned. Which I, I think it's important for us to understand that little phrase embedded in this verse, verse 13. The word of truth. If all that's true, and it is, that this passage talks about Almighty God, and it is true, then listen to me, please. We serve a God who can handle the tough questions, don't you think? Life Life can be hard sometimes. Life can be hard. There are times we don't know what to do. There are times we don't know what to say. There's times where, yeah, there's times there's hard questions or there's questions that are, the answers are hard for us to understand. Folks, that ought to be the time that life drives us to God, drives us to the Word of God because God can handle it. God's Word can handle the hard questions. He can't. God's not afraid of those. God's the creator of the universe. He spoke and the worlds came into being. Colossians 1, by him all things consist. God's not afraid of the hard questions. 
Now let me tell you something. Over and over and over again, I'm going to tell you, I don't know all the answers. Pastor Todd, this will surprise you. He doesn't know all the answers either. He doesn't. Neither does Peggy. She knows more than me. <laughs> but God does. And if there's anything about life that life ought to do is drive us back to the Word of God because God's Word is truth. Truth. And it affects, and it reflects, excuse me, the very nature, the very character of God. Now there's one other thing. And for those of you listening in the radio audience or on the, on the podcast, there's one other thing. Don't forget that the word of truth is also the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good news. Good news. God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to earth to die on the cross for our sins. And he rose again the third day. The good news of the gospel. The gospel. The gospel. The good news. And we have an incredible message. This is good news. Life is hard and life ought to drive us to the scriptures because the scriptures have answers. And it's good news. And the answers, Ephesians 1 would say, are in him. Are in him. Remember I told you the highlight of the theme of this? is in him. It's in him. It's in Jesus. It's in God. And to realize that God can handle that. God, life can drive us to the word of God, but it's good news. God has a solution. God never leaves us down. God never leaves us without solutions. We need to search until we get them. Because those things are there. Number six. We should live to praise him. We should live to praise him. I love the phrase that's there in verse 14, to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. Folks, I'll say it again. I said this a couple times already today. Life is not about us. It is not God's purpose to make me happy. It is my purpose to live for God and to please him. And out of that ought to be a, a desire to, to like, like 1 Corinthians um, 10.31, whatever you do, word or deed, do all all to the glory of God. When we live our lives that way, people notice. They do. Which is inerrant, right? In the idea of praise or glory. It's just part, it's just part of it. And that is, I'm not going to go home in my closet or go home in my basement when there's nobody around. Okay, I, I'm going to do that. But out of my life, out of my lifestyle, people look at my life and see that I live my life for God. And then verse 7. We're created. He created us to do his will. One of the things that is a, an important, um, important technique, if you will, for method for studying Scripture. This is, this is important in the Bible. Especially in a very few verses, if God, the human author by the inspiration of God, uses a phrase over and over and over and over and over again, the idea is that God is, is not wasting his time. God is telling you something important. So three times in these verses, 11, 12, 13, and 14, God, three times God talks about, the Word of God talks about His will. So here's the principle. He created us to do His will. What does God want you to do? What does God want you to do? The Bible is not ambiguous about that. God has given us that, and God wants us to seek that out in His life, that we do His will every, um, every day. I have a plaque that's by my computer at my office in my house now. In every office that I've ever had in my entire ministry, I put my life verse on a plaque that's right by my computer. I look at it every day. My life verse is 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. The world passes away and the desires of it, 
but the one who does the will of God lives forever. I know I'm a nobody. I grew up in a long line of nobodies. I, I know that. But if I do the will of God, then my life matters. And it matters for eternity. Isn't that an amazing thing? It matters for eternity. That's amazing to me. And, and that, that has been a motivational verse in my life. One does the will of God lives forever. And that is that gives my life impact. That gives my life purpose. I'm not going to be like that farmer that sees an ailing chicken. It gives my life mission. The mission is the will of God. Is do what God wants me to do. Now, after all of that, let's go back to the text. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works, things, who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted. After you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now I'm just going to review. And I'm going to review. I was telling, I was telling Pastor Todd, out of all that that I've said, pretty serious, heavy stuff, but... Now I'm going to give you a little cutesy outline to wrap it up. And you have it in your note. Because in English, in the New King James, there's actually five things that begin with the same letter. Five words that begin with the same letter. Let me just show them to you. You have that outline. There's five. Okay, here they are. Purpose. So here's, let's just review by going through the five P words in this phrase. Our purpose is to know Him, to live for Him, and glorify Him. We have a mission. We do. We have a purpose for being here. That's why God left us here. To live, to know Him, to live for Him, and to glorify Him. We are predestined. Folks, please hear me on this one, okay? I don't know if you've ever heard that word as it relates to theology or doctrine, predestination. Folks, make sure that in your Bible study that you take what God says and don't read something in that God does not, can I yell, send people to hell. God does not do that. That is not what the Bible says. God guarantees, read the passage, that he guarantees eternal life, that he works it out, that if you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you come to know, he guarantees eternal life for you. He will send you to heaven. And you can know that, 1 John 5.13. But these things are written that you can know that you have eternal life. And I'll quit yelling. I'm glad you're my friends. Praise. We live our lives to praise, worship, and to glorify him. I'm not a music guy, but this morning the music was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? And it fits what this passage is. That was amazing today. And if we learn anything about worship, to, out of our worship is to praise God because this passage tells us better than I ever could of all that God did for our lives, the promise my goodness, isn't this a great thing that the Holy Spirit gives us confidence to turn life? We have a promise. We have a guarantee. We have an inheritance. We have redemption to realize that we have that promise that is sealed, it says, by the Holy Spirit, by, the, by, the member, by one of the members of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It's just by God himself. It's amazing to think that we have that ability. It's sealed. It's done. It's a done deal, the promise. And then we have a purchased possession. Again, we talked about that over and over and over again today, and I've 
highlight that. The purpose of possession is Jesus Christ went to the cross to shed his blood. He paid the price. That's redemption for you. So that our ultimate destiny would be eternal life. Would be eternal life. Folks, our, our prayer for your life, for my life, my family, I, you know, you've gotten to know, right, Todd's kids a little bit. Peggy and I have nine grandchildren. I came to Christ when I was five. I pray every day for those little tikers. I do. I want those little kids to grow up to be in heaven. I want them to grow up with a confidence of eternal life. I want them to grow up knowing that Jesus Christ is their personal Savior. And I, I want that to happen early. I've worked with teenagers a long, long time. I don't want baggage in their lives that someday they have to live down. So I pray for those little kids, that they'll come to Christ, that they'll be in eternity with Jesus. But I'll tell you something else. I pray often for the kids in our church. Not my kids, but, but yet my kids. That they'll grow up and be in heaven. So why, why are we here? I got the, the pencil thing. Clip art pencil. Because I want you to write it down. Our purpose is to know him, to live for him, and to glorify him. So here's, here's the thing. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up and I'm done. The white box at the bottom says this, our faith impacts every area of our lives. So why are we here? To know him. That's what God left us here to do. To live for him. Lifestyles of the rich and godly affects our life. What we do this afternoon, what we do tonight, what we do tomorrow, what we do this week, what we do on vacation, what we do at work. It affects our lives. And so here's the thing, and that is it also impacts every area of our life. It impacts your life, your world, your sphere of influence. You know people that I'll never know. You'll, you know people that, I mean, yeah, it's even thinking about little Titus and Levi, the twins. It's, it's interesting how they have, they're, they're identical twins, and yet they have completely different personalities. It's amazing how God's going to use each one of them as individuals, and God is going to use you and your circumstances. I don't know how hard or life is or what tough questions that, that many of you are facing in life, but I know God can handle it. I know that God can handle it because if there's anything about this, word him it's the word of truth it's guaranteed so it brings us to the application for today and that is what is our response of all of this so what i'm going to do is kind of just leave these as rhetorical questions after all of this today but ask you as my friends that you would uh, pray through in your own heart, in your own life. Do you, capitalized you, you, know him? And do you have that confidence of eternal life? Are you, am I actively living for him every area of our life, this afternoon, tomorrow at work, on vacation, in my sphere of influence, are we actively living for him? And is my life pleasing God and glorifying God that people look at our lives and see God and see that my life is for him not which I struggle with not having my life for me
So that's, that's this passage. Let's be people of mission. God's mission, God's purpose. And let's have that recognition that what God creates, he can energize and bring it to fruition in his will. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you. God, I, I thank you for the opportunity to, that I had to share it this morning. Because I learned some things from this passage. And God, I pray that I grasp hold of them in, in my life. Father, as we started, I, I, I said that the, there's two little words, two little words, which probably are the theme of all of Ephesians 1. In Him. So, Father, my prayer is that I'd get out of the way, that Pastor Todd would get out of the way, that all of us, even our own personalities, would get out of the way. And to realize that we're here for you, for your glory, for your purpose. And yet, in an amazing, amazing part of that promise, that, 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 that premise is that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, shed his blood to redeem us, and that you've given us your Holy Spirit to guarantee that, that we have eternal life, that we have a relationship with Almighty God through what you've done. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've learned, what we've learned this morning. And Father, I also pray, if there's anyone here that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, eternal life. God, I pray that you bring them to yourself. It's all about you. And God, I just pray that you work in our lives. Help us to see your hand. Help us to see and then live by your mission. To know you, to live for you, to glorify you in all aspects of our lives. Father, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, thanks uh, for giving me the opportunity to share this morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, giggling when I tried to be funny. But also, again, remember that, that yeah, God can answer the hard questions. And I hope life has a way of driving us back to his word. Thanks. And uh, have a great day and a great week. Yeah.